0: Guys, welcome to another episode of Doe Weekly Podcast. I cannot say enough how thankful I am that you listen to this podcast. To everyone that's listening, tell someone else. Help us grow the podcast. If you're able, follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Click in the show notes. Support the podcast. Any amount will help. Anything will help. Appreciate the hell out of that. Um, this week I want to talk about Brittany Drexel. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the case, you should be, it's all over Dateline, last week was Dateline, it's um, troubling, to say the least, but I'm not really one of those podcasts that kind of talk about bullshit in the beginning, go on and carry on about something, now if I had someone to do that with, I probably would, but you probably click on this podcast to hear the story about Brittany Drexel, so let's get into it, Brittany Drexel, 17 years old, 17 year old girl from Rochester, New York. Now her story starts out. She wants to go to Myrtle Beach for spring break and she's only 17 and her parents tell her no. Now it makes sense to me. 17 year old. Maybe she got no business in Myrtle Beach for a spring trip, spring break. The people she was wanting to go with were not really good friends of hers, but were more, you know, acquaintance type people she knew in school. They were bullies. You know, they're just, you know how kids are, how teenagers are. They're fucking assholes. They really are. So, what does Brittany Drexel do? She tells her her parents that she's going to go spend some time with a friend. They're going to go to Lake Ontario because they are from Rochester, New York, where they live. And uh, the parents thought nothing else of it. And what does Brittany do? She takes off to Myrtle Beach with these acquaintances from school. Now, what happens when she gets there? Like I said, teenagers are assholes. These aren't really close friends of hers, so they—they're you know cutting them, they're teasing her, they're carrying on back and forth, and so she's not really having a good time. Um. And. She she runs into some other people that she knows from her town. Um, and this is probably on the second or third day that she's there. Um, they're staying at, at the Bar Harbor Hotel. These other friends that she ran into that are from the same home hometown as, as her um were staying at the blue water. Now, what happens here is Brittany is seen leaving the hotel. And is walking toward the Blue Water Hotel where these other folks are staying. Now we know she goes there. She spends some time with them. And one of the girls that she had came with wanted uh, some shorts or or a piece of clothing. And you'll hear papers. I'm old school. Tell me. Papers. Some shorts that she had. And so Brittany has to start to walk back toward the hotel, the Bar Harbor. And... Video surveillance proves that, but she never makes it, never makes it back to the Bar Harbor. Now, when she leaves her hotel, she's going southbound, and this is about 8.15 on Saturday night. She's headed to the boys' hotel, The Blue Water. She arrives at the Blue Water Hotel at about 8.33 p.m. She is seen leaving the Blue Water Hotel at 8.48 p.m., 15 minutes later, heading north back toward her hotel on Ocean Boulevard. Now, Brittany is like any other teenager. She's on her phone, on her phone, on her phone, texting, 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 texting. So her boyfriend John is texting with her around this same time okay my notes you hear them eight hey. and text back and forth and they're texting and nothing's wrong but at 858 no more text from Brittany to John John is beside himself so what does he do what any responsible? boyfriend would do, breaks kayfabe, quits pretending, no more bullshit, goes to Britney's family, mom, dad, whatever, tells her, hey, she's in Myrtle Beach, I've not been able to get a hold of her, something is fucking wrong, so they head to Myrtle Beach, 14 hours away, so what, what we have right here so far is... a little bit of a timeline as to what Brittany was doing. Okay. So obviously when the parents first get there, my notes, you know, you love this paper turning sound, you know, it's, it's it, it, it should be in the library. Okay. Now this is in 2009. I want to reiterate that. Um, and the Saturday that she actually wanted off was the April the 25th, okay? Um. So we got the boyfriend telling the family. She's in. Okay, of course, we know what happens. The family gets to Myrtle Beach and stop by the police department. And guess what the police department says? Oh, she's probably just hanging out with some other friends, hiding, doing some other what they always say. Um Now, they tell the police department, you know, like, look, Brittany loves her brother, her sister. She she wouldn't just wander off. Um, So they start to maybe take this case a little serious. So the family's walking Ocean Boulevard with flyers. They're looking for Brittany. Um, The detective, Tracy Kanachek, talked to all of Brittany's friends that she traveled with. And that's where it came about that they didn't really get along. They were just more of acquaintances. And, you know, they were teasing her. And she had wandered off Saturday around 8.15. Of course, we went through that timeline. Uh, 8.33, she arrives at Blue Water. 8.48, she leaves. No text from Brittany's phone after 8.58. Now, as the police begin to investigate, they're obviously going to go for the cell phone log. Now, two days later, cell tower data shows a beeline from Ocean Boulevard, <clears throat> excuse me, to a shitty-ass swampy area 50 miles south. It shows Brittany's phone at 927, 8 miles away, at 1157, 50 miles away, and then her phone goes dead. So obviously they know foul play is is front and center. Front and fucking center foul play. Uh, Chuck Capp, another detective, uh, looked hard at the Rochester boys. Because they were technically the last people to see her before, obviously, somebody seen her and picked her up. Uh, because these boys had checked out a little early and had left some belongings behind. Why did they leave early? Well, they looked into it and and they were cleared, but, you know, not before a little cloud of suspicion has always kind of lingered over these boys, this boy's head. Um, so they knew that by... They checking their cell phone data that they had went a total opposite direction than Brittany did. Obviously, Brittany was in a vehicle because her phone was moving too quickly. Um, so the next step would be to search the area into where the phone last pinged. So organizers searched this area, 700 searchers, 1,000 acres, where the phone pinged last, and they searched for about two weeks. Now, the Rochester boys were cleared as suspects, but like I said, they always had a a, a cloud of suspicion hanging over their head. Now, another sad aspect of this story is, for six months, Chad, her stepdad, Brittany's stepdad, was calling Brittany's number and calling Brittany's number, um, and he gets a call back from that number. He thinks, oh, Brittany... But her number had been issued to someone else, so that, that's heartbreaking. Now, here's where this story, as this story starts to play out, um, a group of, of, of black, a black guy is kind of accused of something because a CI informant says that they killed Brittany. Now, all this is straight-up BS. There's never, ever, 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 ever any proof or any evidence whatsoever other than a CI saying that this poor gentleman, and I don't even like to mention his name because the guys had such a hard time with Tim Taylor. They railroaded Tim Taylor, period. They railroaded the shit out of Tim Taylor. They never apologized to him. Um... Basically, one year after she went missing, Tim Taylor came on the uh, radar because of a confidential former trying to shave time. He knew Britney's case and just started making up shit. Making up stuff that, that they'd killed Britney. Now, none of this was true. Um, but we know Tim Taylor was basically railroaders. One year and six months, uh, well, I don't want to get into that yet. Okay, the CI changed their story over time. Uh, Tim has one arm. The CI is just trying to shorten his time. Uh, now, Tim Taylor was involved in a robbery a few years before, so as a getaway driver. So, the FBI is going to automatically, you know, you know how they are. But Tim Taylor had nothing to do with this. Um, The case sat for three years. Um... It never went anywhere. But about a year... I'm going to get into that now. About a year... and a half... after Brittany went missing... there's a gentleman named Raymond Moody. A sex offender. He raped an 8-year-old girl in California. He's now back home in Georgetown reporting to his P.O. Now, his P.O... Knows what type of man Raymond Moody is. And the PO thought, where was Raymond Moody when this happened? And come to find out, Raymond Moody wasn't very far from where Brittany's phone pinged last and went missing. So Raymond Moody's back in Georgetown with his girlfriend, Angel Voss. So the cops are looking at, at Raymond Moody, but they've got no evidence. Angel Voss is saying he would never do it. No one is talking. No one is saying anything. There's nothing. They're just at a dead stand still. So the case has sat at this point. Nothing going on all the way up until 2019. They're able to sharpen video surveillance of Ocean Boulevard the night Brittany disappeared. And they look at vehicles that were approaching Brittany's area around the time she would have went missing. And this is what breaks the case wide open. Guess what they find? We'll be right back. Alright guys, we're back. So surveillance video was sharpened up They see this Ford Explorer. Run the tags. They're able to see the tags now. And guess who the Ford Explorer belongs to? None other than Raymond Moody's girlfriend's brother, Angel Voss. So they bring Angel Voss back in to discuss Britney's case. Now remember, back in the day when they first mentioned his name, Angel had kind of given him an alibi and done everything she possibly could to cover for Raymond Moody. Now, I don't know the love that Raymond Moody has for Angel Voss, but how this case kind of starts to unfold once they see that explorer is that they come after Angel Voss. They think she's involved somehow. So, Ray, they go to search the house. They they search her old phone. So, instead of just fighting it out anymore, Ray starts to talk. Now Ray was always on, on, on the radar. Angel Voss was always on the radar once the PO talked to him, but there was nothing... That they could really come up with because even in the past, they had put a tracker on Ray's car. They searched the Sunset Lodge where Ray was staying. They talked to the first victim of Ray. Uh, of course, Angel was hiding something. She even goes as far later, early on, to confess to to get the spotlight off Ray. But they know she didn't do it, or directly. She got some info wrong. And she was just so upset that someone could think Ray would do such a thing. But that's after after that they go after Tim Taylor, so Moody's off of the damn radar for a while until the video surface you know is is re looked at and they see that Angel Voss's brother was driving up close to Britney, and that's when it just they finally zero back in on Ray, Raymond Moody. <clears throat> and so they should. So, when they start looking back at Raymond Moody again, FBI looked in the case on this is in twenty twenty, and they found they found a file. Angel Voss was, was recorded talking about Brittany, Ray's guilt, her guilt. Um. So it makes it even more suspicious of her involvement with Ray. So six, seven, notes, baby, notes. So where are we at in the case? For years it sits. The FBI hones in on a poor innocent black guy and fucks his life up for years. Do they apologize to him? No, fuck no. The P.O. before that brings Raymond Moody to him on a silver platter but they look away from him because of the uh, Tim Taylor. And it's not until they can uh, enhance this video that shows an explorer that was driven by Angel Voss's brother <clears throat> that they finally hone in to where they need to. Okay? So as they're going after Angel, I guess Ray, Raymond loves Angel so much, he decides to confess cuz I feel Angel's involved. His confession is tailored to keep Angel Voss out of the mix so now for 13 years where the hell's Brittany Drexel been no one has known but we're getting ready to find out of course Ray's story's full of shit you know he acts like they stopped and asked Brittany if she wanted to party oh yeah I did that his intentions wasn't to rape and kill her that it just happened so what's the story so you know that her, she has no text messages from 858 on. So that means that whenever they got, whenever Brittany got in that car with them, that explorer, Angel Voss and Raymond Moody both, they had to confiscate her phone and take her captive immediately. Not hours later at the tent or the hotel or wherever it may be, like Raymond Moody says, but immediately when she gets in a vehicle. So what does Ray say? They go to the tent area in the woods, which is near where Brittany's phone went missing or pinged last. Angel Voss leaves to go visit her son. And while Angel Voss is gone, Raymond Moody takes over, rapes Brittany Drexel, murders Brittany Drexel by strangulation, carries Brittany Drexel across the way and hides her body in the woods. When Angel Voss comes back, Raymond Moody says that some friends picked her up and she never questions him anything else about it. Bullshit. And of course they're going to need to find the body. Where's the body? Where's the body? Well, remember when I told you they put a tracker on Raymond Moody's car? <clears throat> when he takes them to the body of Brittany Drexel and they do find her, And they're able to bring her home and to give her a proper burial. But when they go to the gravesite that Raymond Moody buried her, it's very, very close to a graveyard they had tracked him to several years back when they had that tracker on his vehicle. So the question is, what was Angel Voss's involvement in Brittany Drexel's disappearance and murder? Because if you believe Raymond Moody's story, they pull up, they ask her if she wants a party, she says yes, they drive 45 minutes, whatever it is, down to this tent area to start partying. Angel Voss leaves to go visit her son. Why'd she stop texting the moment she got in the vehicle? They had enough information early on to put Raymond Moody in a position where they could have found Britney years earlier. But they were too busy focusing on Tim Taylor, the poor black guy that got railroaded. Now, I'm thankful they got to the bottom and found poor Britney Drexel and brought some kind of closure to the situation. Well, what could they have done different? Anything? Why are you going to spend years on a man that's not guilty at all? And you had no evidence against him anyway. Why are you going to stop pursuing a man that's a sexual predator? They had him all along, folks. They had him all along. The PO gave him up many years before he actually confessed to it. Raymond Moody and Angel Voss raped and killed Brittany Drexel. Don't forget that. This is The Weekly Podcast.